Welcome to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson, best-selling author of three books on healing cancer successfully. Now, here's Bill Henderson. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to How to Live Cancer-Free today. Introducing today the cancer, the How to Live Cancer-Free show will be Brad Saul. Brad is the president of Matrix Media, which is uh, a company that owns, among other things, Web Talk Radio and, and lots of radio stations around the country. And Brad has been a pioneer in the radio business for a long, long time and knows a lot of things of interest to you. So I would suggest you listen to him carefully, and I'll be back shortly. Thanks, Bill. Well, we all know that vitamin C is a great thing, but... Did you also know it's categorized as the safest chemical substance known to man? Here's an excerpt from an informative and somewhat humorous article by Dr. Keith Scott Mumby that talks all about the benefits and the history of vitamin C. The British were known all over the world as limeys. How come? The Royal Navy fed limes to His Majesty's sailors, which contained vitamin C and prevented them from getting scurvy. Everyone else's navy was sickly, and the men died just like flies, dropping from lack of one simple vitamin substance. A vitamin, by definition, is a substance that's essential for life. Scurvy, without proper treatment, is relentlessly fatal. Naval surgeon James Lynn's masterful proof back in 1747 of the value of vitamin C is usually hailed as sort of the benchmark of a clinical trial. The old name for scurvy was scorbute, so vitamin C, once identified, was quickly christened an ascorbutic acid, or ascorbic acid for short. Ascorbic acid is the name for both natural and synthetic vitamin C, and both work just fine, because in fact the two are absolutely identical. In fact, for some people, synthetic vitamin C is better than the real thing. People who are allergic to corn, for example, would react to vitamin C from corn sources, but not from the synthetic version. Moreover, doctors who administer life-saving IV vitamin C treatments use the manufactured sort. It works 100% of the time and saves us from having to squeeze oranges and limes for who knows how long. Remarkably, vitamin C, or more exactly, L-ascorbic acid, is truly the safest chemical substance on the planet. Vitamin C is harmless and works as a true vitamin at levels around 50 to 100 milligrams, yet at 20,000 times that concentration, it is still totally safe, biologically at least, in short bursts. Now, what's curious about all of this is that ascorbic acid is not a vitamin for most animals. In fact, they make their own. Goats, for example, make around 10 to 15 grams of it a day by themselves. The few exceptions are bats, 
guinea pigs, copybaras, and anthropoids, which also include apes and humans. Some of the great properties of vitamin C, well, it's a powerful antioxidant capable of voraciously quenching a reactive oxygen species. It's added, for example, to food products for their protection from oxidative damage. Vitamin C also is required in the manufacture of collagen. So as we age and get wrinkly, vitamin C is a huge help. Vitamin C is also powerful as an antimicrobial. Large doses of vitamin C have saved countless lives with septicemia and similar overwhelming infections. Some of the other traits, well, it's a powerful detox for anybody encountering chemicals or viral or bacterial toxins, needs protection of vitamin C. It's a vigorous anti-cancerous agent, too, with demonstrable cytoxic effects at doses which leave human cells unharmed. Vitamin C is also found in high concentrations in immune cells, and is consumed quickly during infections. Why? Well, that's not really clear. The interaction between vitamin C and the immune system is something that is not truly understood. It's been hypothesized to modulate the activities of phagocytes, the production of cytokines and lymphocytes, and the number of cell adhesion molecules in monocytes. In addition, it's a natural antihistamine, which is why people find it good for treating things like allergies. It prevents histamine release and increases the detoxification of histamine. A study back in 1992 found that just 2 grams of vitamin C each day can lower blood histamine levels by as much as 38%. The biggest breakthrough in research for vitamin C is that deficiency of it is found to be a leading cause of arterial sclerosis, otherwise known as hardening of the arteries. In fact, heart disease and ischemic myocardial disease is really best described as scurvy of the arteries. Even moderately raised blood levels of vitamin C in healthy people have been found to correlate well with decreased risk of cardiovascular disease and ischemic heart disease, and so an increase of life expectancy may well be a postulate. It is undoubtedly because vitamin C protects blood lipids from oxidation. So forget about the cholesterol nonsense. Cholesterol is pretty harmless as an isolated finding. It's oxidized cholesterol. That's dangerous, and you can avoid that by maintaining a healthy vitamin C status along with other antioxidants in your diet. So, how much vitamin C do we need? 10 grams a day is great and more in line with what other animals manufacture for themselves. Now, after all, we are bigger than goats on the whole. More vitamin C than that, you know, is safe. So take, in fact, whatever you feel comfortable to take. 
it certainly isn't going to hurt you, and it may help cure what ails you. That's a look at cancer in the news for this week. I'm Brad Saul. Bill, back to you. Hello, folks. This is Bill Henderson with How to Live Cancer Free. I want you to listen to this show today because it's one of the best that I've done in the last three and a half years or so of doing this show. And while I get my affairs in order to update my book to the fourth edition, which has taken me a lot of time and a lot of demands on my time, as well as another project I'm working on, I want you to enjoy these best of shows as we call them. So listen up, folks. You're going to enjoy this one. We have an interesting show, which you may have heard before, but I'm going to replay it because it's so important. It's an interview I did with Dr. Thomas Levy back in May, and all of you that haven't heard this and are interested in root canal teeth, cavitations, or anything related to that, this is the show that you really need to listen to. There is one correction which I'd like you to jot down here. The the phone number that Dr. Levy gives you uh, about 20 minutes into this program for a call to a, a, a directory which will refer you to biological dentists. The number's been changed, and I'd like you to jot this one down, if you would, as a correct number. It's uh, area 866, which is also toll-free, 948-4638. That is on Mountain Time. It's Dr. Huggins' office in Colorado Springs, and they will be happy to refer you to a biological dentist close to you. Well, the first thing I take in the morning, as most of you know, is called transfer point beta-glucan, and I suggest any one of you do the same thing because it's going to help your immune system to stay strong and to keep you away from any kind of virus or other problems with your immune system. If you have been diagnosed with cancer, this is an essential part of your recovery. And this is the best product I've found for boosting the immune system. And I'm familiar with at least three dozen other products which do not measure up to this one. The beta-glucan goes into your system in your small intestines and it goes through the stomach because it is insoluble deliberately. And it gets into the small intestines and into the lymph system. And it charges up the neutrophil cells to recognize cancer cells. And believe me, about 60% of your immune system are neutrophil cells. So you want these fighting cancer. And this product uniquely does that. To get some of this, you need to go to aboutbetaglucan.com, put a forward slash the word be special, and you'll get a special discount for listeners to this show. If you want to call Phyllis or Michael in Atlanta, it's 1-800-746-7640. Outside the United States area, 678-560-1808. Well, the second thing I take in the morning is about eight or nine of the little green barley power pills. And I know these are key to my health at age 77, going on 78. And I feel wonderful. I just finished playing a round of golf today in the in the sun in California, it was a little hot. It's starting to warm up here, but it was a wonderful day, a beautiful day. But I feel good, and I have a lot of energy because of the things I take. And one of them I would not miss every day is barley power pills. These come from Green Supreme Incorporated in Pennsylvania, and believe me, they are the most efficient way to get every enzyme in your human body working and to keep your body alkaline. 
And if you are a cancer patient, again, you should probably be taking about 20 of these little green pills a day. I take only eight or nine, and I think anyone should take at least that many for maintenance. To get some of these, you want to go to 1-800-358-0777. Outside the U.S., call area 724-946-9057. Their website is greensupreme.net. Well, my wife and I have been trying a new product from Our Health Co-op called Constant Health, and I suggest you get some of this. It's a great powder that they've put together that has a lot of properties that you, every one of us, need including help to your immune system, of course, but also your liver, your intestines, and lots of nutrients for fighting disease in general, and detoxifying agents and fiber. It's a wonderful product. You can add it, as we have done. I've done this frequently over the last few weeks, adding it to the cottage cheese flaxseed oil smoothie I make for my wife and I every morning. And I've been doing that for about six and a half years now. And believe me, it is one reason that I'm as healthy as I am. So try that, both the cottage cheese and flaxseed oil, which is excellent, but try adding constant health to it. You can get this at the makinghealthaffordable.com website, which is the Our Health Co-op website. And, of course, you can call their order desk at 1-800-667-0781 or outside the U.S. area 561 863-5300. Folks, Prostabel is a patented product that is comes from a company named Natural Source International in New York. And believe me, this product for every man in this audience is essential to take a look at at least. If you have any question that your, your prostate might be enlarged, and believe me, if you're over age 50, that's a very likely condition, or if you have prostate cancer, this product, believe me, reverses the cancer and shrinks up the prostate. It works. I've tried it for four months now, starting uh, in about March, and believe me, it has dramatically improved my prostate symptoms. The product is developed by Mirko Beljansky in, in France over about a 45-year research project that he worked on to figure out how the DNA of the cell works and how some of the RNA fragments that are included in this product affect the DNA positively. But he also has two substances in there, uh, one of which is called Pau Pereira from South uh, South America, and the other is called Raulfia vomitoria, believe it or not, from an African shrub. These are very, very rare products that are difficult to collect. Uh, so the product is quite expensive, but believe me, it works. And you, you need to take a look at it. Look at the website. It's called natural-source.com. And if you order the product and mention my name, either ordering it online or on the telephone, which is available at that website, you can get a 20% discount simply by mentioning my name on your first order. Now, be sure and listen, folks, to this next 45 to 50 minutes or so. You will find it's extremely informative about the subject of root canal teeth and cavitations. My goal in this show as each week is to give you the confidence you need to take charge of your own health care. If you've listened to me at all or read anything I've written, you realize that I am an advocate of people being in charge of their health care. What do I mean by that? 
Well, I want you to be the coach on the sideline. Uh, the doctor is certainly an important part of this, and, and I never advocate completely divorcing yourself from medical professionals. In fact, I'm trying to give you the resources and the ammunition you need to judge your doctor. Is he or she the person you need to listen to? But think of them as the quarterback of your team, you know, the person that you are consulting with about what the next play should be and what the strategy should be and, and whether the outcome is satisfactory or not. Uh, am I saying, for example, that you shouldn't see an oncologist, a cancer doctor, if you have cancer? Well, not quite, but almost. What I hope you'll learn from these shows is that almost any oncologist, surgeon, or radiologist has no clue about what cancer is or how to treat it. Their survival rate is somewhere in the 2 to 3% range long-term with cancer patients with the treatments they use. You may need them, though, for a good diagnosis. And certainly, if I thought I had cancer, I would go to a cancer expert, a specialist, the best one I could find, to get a good diagnosis. I might even need a good surgeon to, do a, to reduce the size, for example, of a tumor, what's called debulking. That's quite possible, and I might need an oncologist for other purposes, but it would be after I had studied thoroughly what my options are, because you're not going to hear about your options from the cancer doctor. So this, by way of uh, summary here of what we've talked about for the last few weeks and what it, what's in my book, which you can find, by the way, at my website, which is www.beatingcancergently.com. You need to put hyphens between the words. But you'll find my book there in both ebook and paperback format. But what I try to do is help you to learn enough to ask the right questions and to tell whether you're getting intelligent answers or not. And these, you have to learn about the options on your own. Fortunately, there is lots of sources of information, many of which are non-commercial on the Internet now, some of which are junk, and you need to separate those out, of course. But after all, you need to be, and you need to take your time to be the expert on cancer. And it doesn't take that long. We're talking about maybe 15 to 20 hours of research done by you or, if you don't feel like it, by the person who's helping you. My guest today is going to help you in that process. Dr. Thomas Levy has both the, the letters MD and JD after his name, which is a little unusual. He is both a doctor and a, an attorney, a lawyer, primarily a doctor. He has spent 31 years since graduating from medical school in 1976 as a practicing medical uh, doctor with 18 years at least of internal medicine and adult cardiology. And then, interestingly enough, he got interested in dental toxicity along about 1994. And he worked for several years with uh, a doctor who I know named Dr. Hal Huggins, who is one of the maverick dentists in the dental business and who has lost his license as a result of advocating the removal, among other things, of both root canal teeth, which we'll talk about later, and any kind of mercury amalgam fillings. Uh, he's not the most popular guy with the ADA, but he should be the most popular to you. Dr. Huggins worked with Dr. 
Levy on a book called Uninformed Consent, The Hidden Dangers in Dental Care, which was published in the mid-90s, about 1996, I believe it was. And Dr. Levy went on and got a law degree in 1998. We'll ask him about that. Since then, he has written or participated in writing several books, one of which was called The Roots of Disease, Connecting Dentistry and Medicine. He's written another one called Curing the Incurable about Vitamin C. Welcome, Dr. Levy. We're very glad to have you today. Uh, glad to be here, Bill. This uh, program, generally we're talking to people, Dr. Levy, who either have cancer or have an interest in it for one reason or another, either for prevention or for uh, a particular loved one that is undergoing cancer at the time. And each of these people, we can almost bet, from my experience, both the people who are listening for their relatives and the relative who may be sick with some disease, particularly cancer, probably have at least one or more root canal teeth. If not, they probably have some other problems with their mouth. And this has, of course, been something that you have, have spent an enormous amount of time researching. But I know... From reading the introduction to the, the book, Uninformed Consent, I know you had a very interesting experience of your own with what's called dental revision. Would you describe for our listeners how that came about and how you felt about it? Well, I was in Colorado Springs at the time and practicing my adult cardiology. Not especially satisfied with it, but practicing it nevertheless, although I didn't know what else it was I wanted to do. And in the course of going to a medical conference in Colorado Springs, I came to meet and get to know Dr. Hal Huggins. At the time I met him, my health was fine, or so I thought, and I would ask Dr. Huggins about mercury, root canals, these sort of things, and he said, well, if you ever have any problems, come see me. Well, about six months later, my blood pressure shot sky high, and of course, blood pressure is what you treat frequently as an adult cardiologist, and it's something that's supposed to be permanent once you get it, unless you subsequently die of a heart attack or go into heart failure. Yeah. And so somewhat depressed, I went to see Dr. Huggins, and I said, well, you know, all this stuff in my mouth can't be helping me. Why don't you do your thing? Yeah. And as it turned out, I also had one root canal. And he said, well, the root canal left to come out too. I said, what? I, I just want the mercury out. He said, well, do you want to get better or not? So I said, okay, do what you need to do. So he took care of all of that. My blood pressure quite rapidly came down to normal after being at what I considered to be quite astronomical levels. And then I investigated what Dr. Huggins was doing more thoroughly, and you might say my life has never been the same since. Very interesting. Was the blood pressure, when it went up, you mentioned that it was pretty sudden, but uh, was this noticeable physically, or did you just continuously test yourself and suddenly notice that it was higher than normal? No, it was just symptoms. I was never checking my blood pressure on a regular basis, and then I started getting severe headaches. Okay. And then when I, when I, after I got the headaches, I started checking my blood pressure regularly, and it was quite sky high, yes. And it stayed, it stayed high then. So so oh, yes, it's the experience. I mean, that, I had the opportunity to start several prescription medicines that did not completely control the blood pressure before I saw Dr. Huggins. Very interesting. So that is one of the symptoms then 
that people should probably look for as a clue that they may have some kind of dental toxicity. Would you say that? Well, I take it a step further. Basically, any chronic degenerative disease, okay. and under under that realm falls cancer, uh, heart disease, uh, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, different collagen vascular diseases, lupus. All of these things are chronic degenerative diseases, and really what determines whether you get high blood pressure or cancer or a heart attack is really your genetic predisposition. Okay. If 100 people get the same amount of toxins in their body, you're going to get a wide spectrum of diseases, and this response is due to their genetic predisposition. So in many ways, I considered my high blood pressure a blessing, a lot better yeah, to have a headache and a high blood pressure that I could take care of than to have my first symptom of a chronic degenerative disease yeah. be a tumor growing or a heart attack. Yeah, rheumatoid arthritis or something, certainly better than that. You, you got it. Exactly. Very interesting. Uh, well, I, I talked to, as uh, you probably know, I think we talked about this a little bit, I've talked to a couple of thousand cancer patients over the last three and a half years or so on the telephone, you know, just kind of counseling people who've read my book about uh, what I recommend and not trying to prescribe because I can't do that. But I just, I do try to ex examine with them the cause of their cancer and get them to agree, if they can, uh, on what the cause might have been. And it is amazing. I think uh, at least 60% of the people I've dealt with have had one or more root canal teeth. Most of them had some form of mercury amalgam fillings, but the, the prevalence of root canals and breast cancer in particular is incredible. It is almost 100% of the women that I talk to. And I, it's hard to uh, for them initially to believe that because so many people have root canals. I've seen estimates of the number of people who get root canals each year anywhere from 24 million to up to 35 million in this country. I guess nobody really keeps track of them, but that would mean that almost everyone in this country has probably at least one root canal tooth. Would you say that? Every adult, at least. Well, I don't know exactly what the percentage is. I don't think they'd be quite that high, but substantially higher than they were in times past. Uh, and it's interesting what you said about the incidence of root canals in cancer patients. Your cancer patients that talked to you were able to relate of what they were aware, 60% having root canals, but I dare say the incidence was much higher. Back in the 1950s, when the root canal was practiced, was just a fairly new procedure, and probably only a few percent of the population was getting root canals, Dr. Joseph Issels in Germany ran a quote-unquote alternative cancer clinic where he took on all cancer patients and a host of different therapies, but his pr primary initial therapy was a dental revision that involved the removal of all root canals infected and dead teeth. Uh, and he had upwards of 93 to 94% of his cancer patients at a time when the root canal was an extremely rare procedure. Having a root canal or its equivalent, and we can talk about that later, of a dead or abscessed tooth. Yeah, very interesting. I think the reason could be that normally a crown, 
I guess, is placed on top of the root canal, or, or it often is, depending on how much of the enamel is left, I guess. And people may not be aware that under that crown they've got, you know, I've got some gold crowns myself, and who knows, I, there may be root canal teeth under those that I'm unaware of, but I, I don't think so. But, you know, these were done in the 70s, and they have never given me any particular problem that I know of. But without a, a real examination with something like a Cavitat machine or something that, that would really show up the inflammation, I couldn't be positive myself, even with x-rays, that I don't have root canal teeth. So I think I understand what you're saying. Uh, yes, and in fact, if you have a very large crown, not just sitting on the top, but basically wrapping around the entire tooth, that'll make the pulp of the tooth, the whole tooth, radio-opaque, and the way root canals are identified on x-ray is because they have a, a characteristic opacity selectively in the pulp uh, where the procedure is done. Mm -hmm. So there could be difficulty in diagnosing the uh, root canal treated teeth uh, simply by x-ray in someone who has a large number of complete crowns, yes. Very interesting. Well, I need to take a short break here. This is How to Live Cancer Free. My name is Bill Henderson, and my wonderful guest today is Dr. Thomas Levy, who is talking to us about uh, the toxicity of our mouths and how important it is to our health. There's a company called Green Supreme Inc. who makes a wonderful supplement which I take every day. It's called Barley Power. It's small green pills. It has enough barley in it that if you take a few of these a day, you're not only going to get all of the enzymes that you need because each of these has all 3,000 enzymes in the human body in it, believe it or not. They are cold processed to retain those enzymes, but they will also raise the alkalinity of your body if you do them regularly every day, as I do, to a point where it should be. Our alkalinity is so super important to our fending off things like cancer and other degenerative conditions that we have to address it and remember it every day. And please, you need to contact my friends at Green Supreme, Inc., and they will talk to you about their special price for cancer patients. The number is 1-800-358-0777. They're in Pennsylvania. They're on Eastern Time. Call them and ask them about barley power. Well, Dr. Levy, we're back, and I would like to ask you if you had one or more root canal teeth right now. Let's say that you know, you're a member of our, our radio audience and they're thinking about, whoa, I need to get my mouth cleaned up. If you were listening to this and you had one or more root canal teeth, what would you do? Well, that sounds like you're, you're, you're setting me up for my benefit, and we didn't talk about this before, but I took over from Dr. Huggins his biocompatibility test which okay. allows a reasonably intelligent or a more educated choice of replacement dental materials. And in the course of doing that test and relating to these people, we also maintain a list of dentists across the country that will do these type of procedures. There are a lot of dentists that would not consider taking out a quote-unquote asymptomatic root canal treated tooth under any circumstances. So you need to have a list of dentists 
that would be uh, willing to do something like that. So to that end, we maintain that list, and I have that list, and I would see a dentist that I trusted, that I felt uh, appreciated the work that Dr. Huggins did, and of course appreciated the toxicity of the root canal, which, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we discussed as being in one of the books that I wrote, an enormously toxic entity that really should be addressed by everybody who wants to have good long-term health, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very interesting that you have a list of dentists because one of the things I always get asked is, you know, well, who, who should I go to? And I generally either give people one of two referrals. But tell me, and not, not particular dentists, but I, I suggest that they call, for example, a Dr. Bill Glaros in uh, Houston, who used to be or, or is possibly now the president of one of the Biological Dentists Association, the National Association, I guess, and they do have a directory of dentists who are members of that organization, so that, that is some help. Uh, but also, of course, there's the IAOMT website on, that has uh, a list of dentists. But how would they get access to the li- list that you have, Dr. Levy? Well, we have an 800 number. It's okay. 800-331-2303. Uh, and I might I might comment <clears throat> that the IAOMT is a a very good organization and has done a lot of good things for dentistry and promoting these concepts. But for a long time, I'm not exactly sure the status at this moment. For a long time, several of the dentists in charge of that organization weren't completely anti root canal. They were trying to promote the use of root canals with an alternative material supposedly to make the root canal less or non-toxic. And this is unfortunate because all of the work that we did showed that really 100% of the root canals were highly toxic. And this was based on over 5,000 consecutive extracted root canals being specifically tested for a host of different extremely potent toxins. Most of them much more potent than botulism toxin, which is considered by modern medicine to be the most potent toxic toxin out there, and yet we found toxins of this level in virtually 100% of over 5,000 consecutive extracted teeth, and this included extract, extractions with these supposedly safe alternative fillings. And this is because the root canal is a fatally flawed procedure, and it has nothing to do with the substance that you put in. It becomes chronically infected if it's not chronically infected at the start, and that does not need to take into consideration the material that was used in the pulp. You practically, with Dr. Huggins, you practically recreated Dr. Weston Price's research into root canals, which, uh, as you know, was done back in the early 1900s and, and actually published in 1925 and, and suppressed literally ever since by... American Dental Association and the Association of Endodontists, who are the root canal specialists. The thing I tell people specifically to ask the dentist when when they call, regardless of where they get the name, is essentially ask anyone in the office, do you do root canal fillings? And if you get a yes answer to that, just go on to the next call because in my opinion, I see if you agree, any dentist who does a root canal in any form 
is misinformed. Would you agree? Absolutely, 100% true. They, they simply don't understand the toxicity of root canals, why root canals are toxic, and why all treated, treated with a standard root canal procedure will be toxic. Yeah. I, I read something about Dr. Issel's uh, work you know, that you mentioned. There is another contemporary dentist in Europe who you've probably heard of, Dr. Thomas Rao, uh, he's the, run, the director of the uh, Paracelsus Clinic in Switzerland. And as you probably know, they have associated with that cancer clinic a biological dentist section. And all cancer patients who come there go through the biological dentistry revision or at least examination, et cetera, and have their mouth cleaned up before they get any cancer treatment. And interestingly enough, he got suspicious about the uh, direct relationship between root canals and, and breast cancer and decided to do a study. And he looked at 150 cases, not as many as you and, and Dr. Huggins had, had looked at, but he went back and looked at 150 of his breast cancer patients. These were the last 150 women who had come through the clinic. And 147 of those 150 had root canal teeth, one or more, on the same meridian as the original breast cancer tumor. In other words, there was a direct relationship there, cause and effect, between the, the tumor and the tooth. And, of course, the normal situation is what cancer doctor would ask you if, when you went to see an oncologist, who's your dentist and can I have his phone number so I can call and ask what type of dental work you've had done lately? That doesn't happen. Okay, I've asked everyone that I talk to about that. Does your doctor talk to your dentist? And, of course, the answer is always no. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I, I certainly know of no oncologists or uh, mainstream internist or any doctor who includes any dental questions in any sort of evaluation of a chronic degenerative disease patient, including cancer. No, not at all. Well, to a minimum that. degree, to a minimum degree, when a patient goes to heart surgery, some cardiovascular surgeons will ask a little bit about the mouth because they've had some difficulties with heart surgery resulting in infections in the heart if the mouth is not reasonably clean uh, before the surgery is done. But it's still not looking at this from the point of view that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly doesn't seem to happen in, in cancer treatment at all that they connect the two. Let me repeat that 800 number again for people who are looking for a good biological dentist who is qualified and has, has passed the screening of Dr. Hal Huggins and Dr. Levy here. It's 1-800-331-2303. And I, I gather that is manned by somebody who can give them a referral in their area. Is that correct, Dr. Levy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, both, uh, both the people that man the phone are quite experienced at this point in time. That's fine. Outstanding. Well, people have a, a place to go and ask at least and, and get some, some doctors to interview, some dentists, and of course, the obvious question. And I think, I think that's important what you just said there. Doctors and dentists that need to be interviewed right. do not take any sort of recommendation or name given to you on the telephone 
as an ironclad assurance that that doctor or dentist is going to do everything that Dr. Huggins espouses. By no means. You need to know what you need to have done, and you need to specifically talk to that dentist. Is this something you do? Is this something you believe in the science? Do you agree with Dr. Huggins on this point or disagree? Because you have all gradations of agreement. You have a lot of dentists who don't put in mercury fillings, but they put in root canals, and they'll call themselves biological dentists. So you just can't take the label biological dentist as an assurance that you're going to get done to you what you need to have done. Right. Are there any other key questions of an interview like that that they should ask? Is, for example, should the, the dentist's office use a Cavitat machine or some other means of determining inflammation? Well, not so much the Cavitat machine, I would say, as are you a dentist who has performed a substantial number of cavitation surgeries? and you're just familiar with the entire process of the disease known as cavitations, where you have an extremely potently infected hole in the jawbone at the site of a previous extraction, which we found in the large molars to be present almost 95% of the time. So people that have had four wisdom teeth extraction, they're almost assured of having at least three cavitations in their head. Interesting. Yeah, let's, uh, let's repeat that term for people so they know what we're talking about. When we say cavitations, what it means is a hole in your jaw that has grown over where the bone has grown around a, a hole which is free of any circulation of any kind but has within that hole bacteria which mutate because of the lack of oxygen Similar to what happens in a root canal tooth, they mutate into anaerobic bacteria, which are extremely toxic. Does that sound right, Dr. Levy? Yes, and to be even a bit more descriptive, and it's not sensationalistic by any means, but accurate from a pathological point of view, the contents of a cavitation is indistinguishable from wet gangrene. Well, yes. Yeah, we're not trying to scare you people, but in fact, what you have in your mouth with a root canal tooth is a piece of dead bone, which has been dressed up as well as possible by the dentist in order to preserve your smile. Save the tooth at all costs seems to be the mantra here uh, with the dentist. And the cost can frequently be your life. So please... Take this seriously. Think about it seriously. It is your health that is involved. And unfortunately, most dentists are not aware of what we just talked about or uh, they have been taught to deny it or accepting the party line, if you will, of the organizations that they belong to, which are frequently in denial for legal reasons. Can you tell me I would, uh, interesting, Dr. Lee? I would encourage you. Being I'm a, sorry. Being a lawyer, you have J.D. after your name, uh, what are the, the legal implications of uh, dentists who, who do root canals for people, and are there suits that have been brought in, in this regard? And uh, Are there any that you know of, like uh, a class action suit by people about <laughs> root canals that spoil their health? No, no. Quite to the contrary, there's a host of lawsuits 
against dentists who have taken out root canals because that does not agree with the general accepted manner of practicing of dentistry. The legal pendulum has not swung anywhere close to where it should be in terms of protecting the health of people who are trying to get the best things done for their health. And who brings those suits against the dentists that are, are doing the root canal extractions? Who, yeah, who brings, as who being, as being unjustified surgery. So who brings uh, the well, very, very frequently several dentists or a dental association gets together and goes against any dentist that extracts root canals and follows every patient that that dentist ever sees. And as anybody who practices dentistry or medicine knows, 100% of the people that you see or treat are not going to be happy. So if you eventually interview and see enough people like this, yeah. any healthcare practitioner on the planet will have a list of people that you're not their favorite person. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this in a future show this month about the persecution of, of doctors in particular, of which I'm a little more familiar than the persecution of dentists, but what you're right, what happens if you step outside the so-called standard of care, and believe me, it's quite difficult to define that sometimes, I think, from what I've understood from doctors that I know that have been persecuted, uh, it's similar in the, in the dental area, that the dentists who do the things that other dentists do not agree with frequently get persecuted in one way or another. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can go on to a, a more a more uh, pleasant subject. I need to take a, a quick break here, but this uh, it show is called How to Live Cancer Free. My name is Bill Henderson. My guest today is Dr. Thomas Levy, who happens to have two sets of letters after his name. The first one, MD, is familiar to most of us. He's a, a medical doctor. The second one is JD, which stands for Doctor of Jurisprudence, which means he's a lawyer as well as a doctor. So this gentleman is uh, is going to cover a lot of bases for you if you contact Doctor Levy. But unfortunately, he is involved at the moment in research and writing primarily, and of course that is probably of more benefit to more people than him treating patients. So Doctor Levy, you have written extensively about a, a number of subjects uh, having to do with general health. One of those is the immune system. And I was wondering, one of the things that needs to be considered, and I have worked quite a bit with Dr. John Tate in, in Spartanburg, who is a very good biological dentist, by the way, and, and uh, I've sent quite a few people to him. And I know he does a lot of things to strengthen the immune system before he does dental work and even during the dental work and, and certainly afterward. But what, in general, should people be looking at to strengthen their immune system? Well, the best things that I know of basically all boil down to one common denominator, and that's the elimination to as great a degree as possible your significant toxin exposures to increase your ability to neutralize those toxins that are present and to consume a diet in a fashion that minimizes this toxin presence as well. And all of these things together are really your best ways to stimulate and your support your immune system in general. Okay, so it is a combination of things. 
Get, uh, detoxing the body, obviously, avoiding digging. Well, I would let, let, let me interrupt there and say yes. detoxing, detoxing is, is a double-edged sword. Uh, okay. When you detox and toxins come out of your body, they will be toxic again on their way out. Right. So detoxification needs to be done in a controlled fashion where your toxins are being neutralized at the same rate that they're coming out of your cells. As I wrote in one of my books, detoxification is also retoxification to a limited degree. So people who detox and push their foot down on the accelerator to do it as rapidly as possible will get themselves very sick and damage their immune system. Yeah, very, very interesting indeed. What I generally recommend to people, see what you think about this, when I don't discuss detoxing very much in my book because it's such a, a broad subject, but the people I advise, and I do advise most of the people who read my book and have cancer and are, are trying to treat it, I say, look, if you follow the diet, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, that I recommend, which is at least 80% raw whole veggies that are not juiced, not cooked, and so on. If you eat that way over a period of about two or three weeks, your body will detox itself and it will detox itself in a relatively safe manner. There are toxic flushes and cleanses all over the place on the Internet now, liver cleanses, whole body cleanses, all kinds of things, and many of those are dangerous, particularly if you have a degenerative disease like cancer, if they're not supervised properly by somebody that knows what they're doing. My feeling is when people first start doing the self-treatments that I recommend that they do at least to lead up to any treatment by a, a medical professional, that they start right away revising their, their uh, lifestyle. But the raw whole veggies will pretty much clean your body, as far as I know, from your mouth to your anus during the, the process of a two- or three-week period. What do you think, Dr. Levy? Well, it's interesting. I agree with you, maybe not for the reason you might think, and that is when you ingest a large number of vegetables, you by default are doing optimal food combining. And optimal food combining is one of your best ways to make sure food gets digested and doesn't rot and putrefy. When food rots and putrefies, you get a proliferation of the same anaerobic bacteria that you get in a toxic mouth. And the anaerobic bacteria produce enormously potent toxins in a slow, sluggish, constipated gut. I dare say most of your your followers or clients who eat 80% vegetables never go more than a day without a a bowel movement and probably have two or three a day, which is the normal rate of bowel transit time so that food gets more digested than rotting and putrefaction. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's the thing I warn the most against, of course, is any kind of constipation because it's so toxic for someone who's already sick. So, you know, the first thing you got to do is get your body moving, and, and we agree on that one for sure. Uh, there is a lot of discussion, of course, about optimal nutrition these days, and see what you think about this. Basically, I tell people, and and I've revised this over the last six or seven years in in the books I've written considerably, there's so many nutrition 
opinions out, and I've read dozens of books on this, and they they differ considerably. They disagree with each other about exactly what foods to eat and how to combine them, etc. And in fact, uh, several of the charts I've seen on acid and alkaline foods disagree with each other, and the whole concept about metabolic typing sort of makes all those charts obsolete anyway, because people are now saying, who agree in the me- with the metabolic typing uh, approach, that some, some things that are acid for some people are alkaline for others. But what I tell people is, look, there are five no-nos that cancer patients should always avoid, five things that are easy to remember, and if you just keep these five in mind and ask yourself as you put something in your mouth, is this on my list of no-nos or not, you'll be pretty safe. And those no-nos are this, sugar or anything with sugar in it, high fructose corn syrup or anything like that, that is a big no-no, and I say that's for a lifetime, not just so you get over the cancer. Number two is processed food in any form. Again, if it's not in the form God made it, you don't eat it. And that's, again, a lifetime commitment if you want to get over cancer and stay, have it stay away. And number three is animal protein. And I usually recommend people to the book called The China Study if they disagree with me on this. I think it's a pretty good scientific view on the subject of animal protein. And again, uh, we can talk some more about this, but dairy is number four on my list of five. Uh, all dairy items are unhealthy, difficult to digest, full of uh, all kinds of hormones and problems that people don't need when they're sick. And the final of the five is gluten in any form, gluten, bread, cereal, pasta, etc. What do you think of that list as a list of no-nos, Dr. Levy? Well, it's interesting. Your viewers should know we, we didn't discuss these specifics before, and, and we're just going to see where we have our agreement, and I agree super strongly with sugar, processed food, dairy, and gluten. Okay. I will say that in our experience with Dr. Huggins, when we had patients undergoing total dental revisions, is animal protein was a very important way for people to give the structural components to cholesterol, which is a very strong anti-toxic agent, uh, and I'll ex- explain that in a little bit, a little moment. But the thing is, is not to overdo. The important thing about animal protein is you need to eat small amounts well digested. I mean, it's ridiculous when people start eating a half a pound or a pound or a pound and a half. Most of that will rot and putrefy. But when you eat a few ounces of quality protein, follow what's needed to properly digest it and not putrefy it, it's a very strong support to your immune system. Yeah, okay. we, uh, in, in my book on optimal nutrition, we, we reviewed a lot of this, and I think the listening audience here should understand that the lower your cholesterol goes, the higher your incidence of cancer. It's a very straightforward, straightforward relationship. And when people are strict vegetarians, they have a difficult time getting their cholesterol in its most protective levels. The Pritikin diet, Nathaniel Pritikin, was very much anti-heart disease until he started his 
his Pritikin diet, which is basically a vegetarian diet with some modifications. And what most people don't know is that after he developed his diet and followed it, he later developed leukemia, of course, a form of cancer, and died. So uh, we do have a bit of disagreement on there, but I think you understand where I'm coming from when I do say that most animal protein eaters are doing it wrong and yeah. making it a toxic process because of the amount and the poor digestion. Yeah, I, I admit uh, that is extreme on my part. And one of the main reasons I had that in there initially was because of the amount of, of energy that's required by the body to digest animal protein. And, you know, I felt people should try at least for a few days or weeks to minimize it in their diet. But you're right in the sense that a small amount of animal protein is healthy and certainly, you know, chicken, fish, eggs in, in very moderate amounts are, are probably a good idea. The few days after they start this very strict diet, they can begin to relax that. And certainly later on, it can be relaxed considerably after they've become cancer-free. That's a very good point. I think starting out on the diet, going vegetarian for your first few days to a week is extremely important and getting your gut straightened out, getting your bowels moving more regularly and getting a lot of the previously toxic, stagnant foodstuffs in your gut cleaned out. Right. And to this end, taking vitamin C powder and doing what we call a vitamin C flush is a very good way of kick-starting things as well, at the same time neutralizing toxins that have accumulated in your gut. Yes. Well, you mentioned... Uh low cholesterol and high cholesterol, we could spend another two hours talking about that subject, but it's very interesting that you mentioned that one of the major problems with a pure vegetarian diet is a cholesterol that's too low. My, yes. my information is something like anything below about 140 total cholesterol is very dangerous as far as heart arrhythmia and that type of thing. Is that true? Absolutely, especially when you're dealing with patients who are trying to hold the cancer at bay or resolve the cancer or prevent new cancers from developing, having a cholesterol below 140 is really, is really starting a block behind the starting line as far as, as, far as winning the race. What, what is uh, too high a cholesterol? This is a leading question, but tell me what too high a cholesterol is uh, as a starting point. Dr. Levy? Generally, cholesterol is above 220 is getting in your too high range, but I have to qualify that by saying cholesterols rise to neutralize toxins. So when you have a cholesterol of 280, 300, 340, do you have a greater chance of heart attack? Yes. I mean, the cholesterol is so concentrated in your blood, you will develop plaques a whole lot faster. But is taking an anti-cholesterol drug the answer? No. <laughs> only, only for limiting a certain degree of that propensity toward heart, degree, uh, heart disease, but they found that when they lowered the cholesterol, but they didn't address the toxins, then you end up with your increased cancer effect. And in fact, in large studies where they looked at people who had their cholesterols lowered so that they decreased their incidence of death by heart disease, they increase their incidence of death by other causes, and when you break down and analyze the other causes, the other causes can all be traced to increased toxins 
not being neutralized. Wow, interesting. Yeah, this is a subject that has so much false fraud, whatever you want to call it, because of all of the money that's poured into advertising uh, the, the drugs that are used to lower cholesterol, which are called statin drugs. Is that correct? That's correct, statin drugs. And um, I have read enough about that to know that, uh, that those drugs should be avoided entirely by everybody, no matter what your cholesterol is, because you know, lowering the cholesterol with statin drugs, believe me, does not solve problems. Uh, I need to take a quickie break here and talk a little bit about one of our sponsors, who is a company called Green Supreme Inc. in Pennsylvania. They produce a product called Barley Power, and I take this every day myself. I, I wish everybody did because I would have fewer people to, to deal with on the phone about cancer because if you have listened at all to my show, you probably heard the one I did with the last week with Bob Davis, the 87-year-old cancer survivor. If you remember, Bob took barley power pills after he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and given up on by the doctors completely after the chemotherapy did not work. He recovered completely using nothing but barley power pills. Now, I don't ever recommend that anyone do that, and he doesn't either at this point, but at the time, he knew nothing about alternative medicine at all. He was 75 years old, and uh, someone told him that uh, he should pro probably take these very highly alkaline pills full of enzymes. He did and got well in about five weeks after having stage 4 cancer spread all over his body, lungs full of uh, liquid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you would like to talk to someone who can advise you about how to get these, call this number, 1-800-358-0777. It's Eastern Time there in Pennsylvania. I'll be glad to talk to you about this wonderful product called Barley Power. It's not a powder, by the way. It's little green pills, Barley Power, P-O-W-E-R. In one of your, I think it's on your website, Dr. Levy, you mentioned something called the toxicity of improper supplementation. And I think we've talked a little bit about that, but could you expand just a little bit on what you mean by that? Well, it's a twofold answer. Uh, the toxicity of improper supplementation is number one, calcium in any form, and number two, other minerals in non-biologically available forms. What's a non-biologically available form? An oxide, a carbonate. These are things that occur as rocks in nature in this form. What you need, and I don't mean to sound trite or simplistic, but rocks and minerals in the soil are plant food. Plants are human food. You can't bypass the plant step of making the minerals in soil and water and rocks into biologically available forms. And even more specifically, this comes down to all minerals, if you will, are cations positive and anion negative. You're looking for the cation. You're looking for the magnesium, the manganese, etc. But it's the anion, the negative part, that determines whether you're going to get a net positive or negative result because is it also contributing a biological component or is it making you more prone toward having pathological precipitation 
of your non-biological minerals out into your arteries and other tissues, which increase your chance dramatically of heart disease and cancer. I see. So I should not take calcium in any form as a supplement. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. That's a very, very large subject. Uh, I'm in the process of putting together another book entitled Death by Calcium. But the short answer is yes. Very uh, interesting. The way to treat osteoporosis is not by taking calcium, but it's by taking large amounts of biologically available magnesium, vitamin K2, free fatty acids, antioxidants, including vitamin C in very large dosage, properly monitored hormone estrogen therapy for the ladies, which is one of the most potent anti-osteoporotic agents there is. This is the way you combat osteoporosis. Calcium in any form taken supplementation will eventually cause a significant increase in precipitation pathologically in your tissues. And oh, also vitamin D, but not vitamin D with calcium, which is so frequently the way in which vitamin D is applied. Okay, so if I take vitamin D with calcium, that is not a good idea? No, and that's one of the reasons why milk is so toxic. I mean, you get you not only get the large amount of calcium into your system, but you get it with vitamin D, which is your primary facilitator of calcium absorption. But if you take your vitamin D without the added calcium, you will absorb and take in all the calcium that you need. But vitamin D needs to be supplemented and related to blood level. Many, many, many people, the vast majority in the United States, due not only to the lack of sunlight, but to the overall latitude in which they live, never get enough vitamin D their entire lives. And this also directly relates to your cancer because there are vitamin D receptors in every tissue in the body. It's just not a calcium regulator. And when you're vitamin D deficient, you have an increased incidence of just about every cancer there is known to man because vitamin D in proper amounts has a primary effect on suppressing cell proliferation. Okay, so if I have cancer or want to prevent it, should I be looking for vitamin D3 in capsule form? Is that, is that what you would look for? Yes, and you need to take an amount adequate to maintain a vitamin D level of roughly 50 to 60 nanograms per cc. It's a standard blood test. It's not terribly expensive. You can even get it without having to directly see a physician if you join the Life Extension Foundation in Florida. That website is lef.org in which you can get blood tests by which you can monitor this because most things you don't need blood tests for, but different people metabolize vitamin D differently, and it's extremely critical in the case of vitamin D that you're taking enough. 4,000 units a day might be great for one person, but another person might need to take 8 to 10,000 a day. And another person that would take 8 to 10,000 a day might be taking too much. So it's very important because vitamin D is a double-edged sword. It can be toxic in excess of months. It can be toxic. Okay, very good point. And let me re-mention this uh, website you mentioned. The uh, Life Extension Foundation supports blood tests that are done without a doctor's prescription, and in order to get the information on that, all you need to do is go to their website, which is LEF, uh, stands for 
Life Extension Foundation, lef.org. That's you can, correct. You'll find there the information to get the blood test you need, and it's a very, very good idea, as Dr. Levy suggests, to have your vitamin D level tested before you start taking the supplementation because there's a wide range of need of vitamin D3, as it's called. We all need it. If you're not in the sun, as we're not certainly this time of year, most of us, you're not getting nearly enough of it. And even if you do get sunshine, to get the adequate vitamin D every day without getting burned is a pretty tricky process. But getting it uh, by supplementation is relatively easy as long as you're taking the right amount. Is that true, Dr. Levy? Yes, and, and it's also important to understand that sun exposure is not enough in most areas of the United States. Right. In the northern latitudes of the United States, uh, if you could stand the cold and stay exposed to the sun all day, the incidence of the sun is at such a level that you still will not get close to adequate levels of vitamin D. It's only good sun exposure in the southern climates or more toward the tropics where you can get good, large production of vitamin D with adequate sun exposure. Some people can benefit uh, in addition to uh, using a sun lamp, but uh, this should be done uh, in consult with a doctor to make sure that you're not overproducing. So, the, so that's why it's really good just to stick with the supplementation uh, and uh, follow it with blood testing. I might add the blood testing doesn't need to be done very frequently. Right. Once you realize whether you're a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer of vitamin D and you see pretty close to where a certain dose level is keeping your blood level, uh, you, you, don't need to be, you don't need to be compulsive about your testing. It's not something that's going to fluctuate widely. Okay. Vitamin D is metabolized very, very slowly. Okay, so you might maybe get the test once a year or so, if, uh, if that, huh? Yeah, once you're regulated uh, with two or maybe three tests, then no more than once a year, yes. Very interesting. Well, it, we have, you know, so much more we could talk about. Doc, Dr. Levy, folks, has written a, a whole book, for example, on the role of vitamin C, and including how to treat cancer with it, but certainly how to treat virtually every other degenerative condition with vitamin C. It's called, you can get the book at uh, Amazon.com, I believe. Can you not, Dr. Levy? Uh, the best the best place to get it, Amazon takes a while. The best place to get it is a website called Live On Books, L-I-V-O-N Books.com. L-I-V-O-N Books.com, okay. The book right. is called Curing the Incurable by Dr. Thomas E. Levy, L-E-V-Y, Live On Books, L-I-V-O-N Books.com is the place to get it. And I would certainly recommend that book. I've looked at it. He, he, he uses over 1,200 scientific references of studies of vitamin C and how it affects your body and, and virtually everything that happens to it. I actually used my legal background in writing that book because I wanted the book to serve as a defense for doctors who get hauled into court for giving intravenous vitamin C and other quote-unquote non-standard medical therapies. I wanted them to have the advantage of the fact that this is not a wide-eyed, ridiculous treatment therapy, but a very soundly, well-established treatment therapy with a strong success record in virtually 
a side effect profile and toxicity profile that's non-existent. Yeah, well, that's very, very interesting. And as I mentioned, we could go on for, for several hours more with, with Dr. Levy and folks you would get virtually uh, usable information from every minute talking to him. So I strongly recommend you look for at least a couple of his books. They are available at liveonbooks.com. All, everything I think that he has written, and I'd strongly recommend those. Dr. Levy, I so much appreciate what you've given folks today. It's a, a real roadmap to truly analyzing what they need to do to their bodies and not just following, for example, Bob Barefoot and his coral calcium TV shows. But calcium is not good in any form as a supplement. Take that home, folks. That's one thing you learned today that's very, very useful if you didn't learn anything else. And we learned plenty more. Thank you so much, Dr. Levy, for all the information. And we'll do this again if, we can, if you can. I appreciate it very much. Okay. Thank you for having me, Bill. All right. Good. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to How to Live Cancer-Free with Bill Henderson.